0: welcome to the World Soccer Roundup for July 21st. This is the Ace Football Academy. I am Coach Hamilton alongside Coach Dunham. And Coach, last week you had a special guest. Your son filled in on the podcast while I was out of town on vacation. Both you and Ryan went 2-1, and one, moving your record to 40-30 and 30 overall. A full 10 games over 500. Kind of got you back on the winning track there after a rough couple weeks for you. Coach, the Women's World Cup has started. We are excited about that. We'll dive into that um in a little bit. For those of you who've been following us this summer with our World Soccer Roundups, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about La Liga and Bundesliga and the EPL and things like that. There is one league that we never mentioned, but now looking at what's happened in this transfer window, summer transfer
1: window, Really, might be time for us to start paying attention, Coach. Yeah, Saudi Arabia obviously is loaded with billionaires. You know, you got the sheiks over there. You got oil tycoons. These guys have billions of dollars, and now
0: they—they
1: have uniformly decided to change their pro soccer league in Saudi Arabia. They've gotten together quite a few owners. They've brought in some big-time coaches. I do know Steven Gerrard, formerly of Liverpool, uh, former England national player. He is one of the coaches in one of the Saudi Arabian teams. And this kind of kicked off with Karim Benzema signing on from Real Madrid. By the way, his wage is looking at 172 million pounds. Now, I don't have the the currency um, transfer to dollars. Um, Everything I looked up here was in pounds i want to look looking a little bit further down the road, but there's already some players that are signing to them with more to follow. So, right now, other players of note, yeah, Roberto Firmino from Liverpool, 17 million pounds. This is their yearly wage, not just they're signed on contract for a full two, three, four years. This is a yearly wage that they're getting here. And Golo Conte, formerly of Chelsea, 86.2 million pounds. Edward Mindy of Chelsea, 9.4 million pounds. Ruben Neves of Wolves, 15.6 million pounds. Jota of Celtic, 10 million pounds. Caledou Calabali, Chelsea, 30 million pounds. Marcelo Brozovic of Inter Milan, 35 million pounds. And just today, I saw that Jordan Henderson of Liverpool... He is also going to sign on with one of the Saudi Arabian teams. Now, this is a $12 million transfer fee that is not going to be his yearly salary wage. So we will look into that, what that's going to pop up. Here's a crazy thing. They've got more guys willing to take these offers to play in Saudi Arabia. This is going to be interesting and dangerous for a lot of the big leagues, losing players to these massive contracts that these Saudi Arabian owners can provide. Yeah, and, you know, just more competition. And, you know,
0: we have talked so much about, and again, we're going to dive into this a little bit later, I would imagine. But not only with the the European leagues and, you know, the um, South American leagues and things like that, but who I think this hurts more than anybody is the MLS. You know, the MLS isn't going to get these end of, end of or back end of career players like a messy for example right. because
1: they're not going to be able to pay them they're not going to be able to match this price and which by the way the fact that you mentioned that they offered Messi, yes he said i'm just not interested yeah and in what they had to offer yeah and and you gotta imagine that
0: when you start getting into money like this and i did just do a quick search um a dollar of one pound is equal to about a dollar and thirty cents here in America. So um if you want to sit down and do the math on those numbers, I'm sure you could. But making good money over there and money that especially here in the States and with the major league soccer, we can't match. There's no way that we can match that. It's just not possible. And so are you going to have your players every once in a while like a Messi who say no and want to do something else. You know they have you know Messi wants to own a team and Messi wants To be here in America. So it's just, you're going to have that player every now and then. But for the most part, it's just another competitor that I think in the long run could have a major impact on, especially the major league soccer, but really soccer across all platforms.
1: Well, I'm curious how MLS is going to deal with this. Are they going to renegotiate their structure? They've got to go because we don't depend on billion dollar owners. This is a league profit sharing type of situation here. And we have designated players and um, youth futuristic players. So they're going to have to rethink how they're going to be able to sustain their league over the next five to 10 years. Because if Saudi Arabia does this, why couldn't places like Pakistan and Qatar and Iraq who... Not Iraq, but um, have these billionaire oil tycoons Mm -hmm. that could pretty much throw money at whatever they want. So it's going to be interesting to see over the next five years what MLS decides to do.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just going right along with that, I don't know if it's the answer. And we could do a whole episode on this. But the biggest, not biggest, but I think one of the major things that is holding the MLS back is not having a promotion relegation system set up. Um, with the USL and with the these other leagues. Um, and again, that's a whole conversation for a different day, but I just I don't see the MLS changing that anytime soon.
1: I, I'd have to agree with that at least not within the next five years, yeah, that's gonna be 10, 15 years down the road that that may be a possibility if it ever does. All right, looking through,
0: um, not much going on in the other leagues. La Liga, Bundesliga, Liga, Serie A, not much happening
1: there in the transfer windows. We do have some EPL news, Coach. Yeah, it looks like Manchester United completed the the transfer of Mason Mount. I know um, United, as well as a couple other teams, were going after his midfield capabilities. However, United completed his transfer at about 60 million pounds, so about $65 million somewhere in that area. Tottenham has signed James Madison of Leicester City. That's about 40 million pounds. So again, about 43, 44 million dollars there. I think the biggest thing here is United is improving their midfield. I think they've got great strikers. Their defense is not bad. I think they can add a couple guys there. But Mason Mount is a player that's done very well for Chelsea. And um, I'm, I'm interested how this is going to pull out after United losing Pogba. Yeah. Some of their other issues that they brought in that didn't really pan out the way they expected. I'm curious how they're gonna play Mason Mount in their type of formation here.
0: Yeah, very interesting. You know, Man Us definitely made some significant moves this offseason. Of course, um, you know, everybody's playing catch up to Man City right now. So every team outside of Man City really needed to make some moves here and Man U's definitely doing that.
1: Yeah, one of the things I wanted to point out here is with Chelsea, they have either let go, released, or sold off a number of Chelsea players, all because of Pochettino coming in as the new coach. He wants to bring his players, which is not unusual. But they've lost almost double of, of players than what they're bringing in. And it's going to be concerning if they don't start bringing players in with other teams buying people up, Saudi Arabia buying players up, How is he going to bring in the talent to stay at the top of the table?
0: And with a Chelsea team that is already, you know, probably, I mean, disappointing season, last season for Chelsea. Big time. And so a team that's already maybe even reeling a little bit. You're right. We're kind of getting late into that window. As we mentioned last week or two weeks ago, you know, we were less than a month away from first kick. So Chelsea's got some work to do for sure. This is the World Soccer Roundup. Brought to you by the Ace Football Academy. Coach Hamilton and Coach Dunham here breaking down some soccer. Coach, not a lot of soccer happening this week with this coming weekend outside of the Women's World Cup. So we will talk about that a little bit. But last night, Coach, the MLS All-Star game got the MLS All-Stars got absolutely trounced by Arsenal. Five to nothing. Um, I'm going to let you dive into some of coach Rooney's comments after the game, but I think this was just a clear message that the MLS and then these other foreign leagues are just two complete different tiers.
1: Yeah. So coach Rain Rooney was the coach of the all-star team. Uh, The all-star game was in Washington, DC. He was the DC United coach. So that's probably part of the reason he took that position and he wasn't so I watched his press conference. He wasn't angry. He wasn't yelling. He was just being matter of fact. Yeah. And he was not a lot of good comments. He's just like, this is the way it goes. He, the, the one thing I got out of it was the league isn't giving him enough time to get the all-stars ready for a, a caliber team like Arsenal. Yeah. You know, if you want to have an all-star game, have the all-stars versus the Mexican all-stars or have all-stars versus all-stars. Yeah. But when you bring in talent like Arsenal, who was second in Premier League last year? You, you've got to have guys knowing what's going on. You've got to have that coach has got to have a better understanding of you know a formation, what kind of an attacking strategy. He's got players that he's never met, players he's never worked with. There's players where there's a language barrier. So he was saying he had one or two days to actually prepare his team. And let's be honest here, I, I didn't watch this game. Because typically when they have these All-Star games versus Premier League teams, it's never that great of a match. Yeah. And this was just a, like you said, a drubbing by Arsenal. And I would rather they stop doing this and just play All-Stars versus All-Stars.
0: It's weird to me that they don't. I mean, I feel like it's the only pro, pro sports um League that doesn't do that, you know, right. the the NFL, the NBA, you know, it's always all stars versus all stars. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's a revenue thing. I don't know. Of course, it's well, not. You
1: know, money is all about this. Well, because I they know they're going to sell tickets because Arsenal is going to be there. And and here's the here's my
0: argument to that. I guess I would say, um, you know, the MLS. I don't know. I you know, I tuned in for a little bit mostly because I'm an Arsenal fan. I mean, honestly, that's why I tuned in. I wanted to see Acosta play um, from FC Cincinnati, and he played okay. But mostly I tuned in because I'm an Arsenal fan, and that stadium was fairly empty. Um, and a little further south, that Florida Cup was going on, and Chelsea was playing Wrexham in a 7v7 match, and it was a sold-out stadium. Wow. I mean – What is and I know and I get the Ryan Reynolds and that that Wrexham and I get that that has a lot of popularity right now, Mm -hmm. but you know the MLS can't sell out an All Star game. Um, I think I think that is just more. And look, you and I both love the MLS. You know we're watching it every weekend, but as we mentioned at the top of the broadcast, we're talking about the Saudi Arabia league. The MLS has some things they're gonna have to fix. If they because I think I think they're on the rise. I think they're having better seasons. I think things are going well for them. But if they want to continue on that trajectory, they're going to have to make some changes.
1: Well, there's there's a couple things I want to say to this. Number one, when you have All-Stars versus a a, a juggernaut like Arsenal or Manchester City, you're making it known to everyone that we're this far below (laughs) teams in that league or teams in the upper echelon of leagues around the world. And when you're trying to get players like Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or Karen Bisma for, for that matter. They're going to be looking at your league and saying, what am I getting out of this? We know they're going to Saudi Arabia because they're getting a buttload of money right. in their back pockets. They're not going to get that from MLS. Right. Their career isn't going to end on some you know, pedestal playing in MLS. And the other side of this is I, I don't like all-star games when the NFL does your all-star game? I don't watch it. Major League Baseball? I don't watch it. Yeah. NHL? NBA? I think all-star games is just the top players goofing off.
0: And the league if you're going to really
1: have an all-star game, or you're going to have a goof-off thing, or play Arsenal, you've got to rearrange how you plan on doing this. Because, like I said before, like you've already mentioned, you're putting a, a bad mark on your league. And, and I don't know the history Of them playing the Premier League, if they've ever, Austers have ever won that that match, I personally would rather have the MLS All Stars versus like the Mexican All Stars, and then one year you can play the Canadian All Stars, and just you're really you're you're downgrading the look of your league by doing these kind of games. Yeah, you just
0: you're doing a disservice to your league, Absolutely. absolutely. Um, The MLS is on a Leagues Cup break until August 20th, so no league games there. The Leagues Cup tournament, I believe this is um, the first ever Leagues Cup. Um, Coach is going to be the top 15 MLS teams versus the top 15 La Liga teams. Why don't you break it down for us a little bit?
1: Yeah, so they're going to set this up in a World Cup style. So they're going to have multiple groups, and there will be three teams per group. And you're going to do your typical round robin type of situation. And then after the group stages, you're going to have knockout rounds, which is single elimination. You lose your out. And you're going to go straight on to the finals. Uh, interesting interesting thing about this, they have no ties, even in the group stage. You're going to
0: have pony kicks. Will they go straight to penalties? Is that what they're going to do?
1: That's what it looks like. Okay. They didn't mention extra time, okay. they just said, No ties, there will be a pony kick. So I would imagine there would not be extra time in there. Beyond that, so there is some implications to this. So CONCACAF has their own Champions League now. Right. The third place winner and both teams that play in the final automatically qualify for the following year's CONCACAF Champions League. Okay. That's big money. Yeah, absolutely. They could be pouring into that. We do know that Fox Sports follows uh, the CONCACAF Champions Leagues on TV. So it's important that these clubs really put their best effort. Mm -hmm. I mean, you start getting the Champions League, now you're getting multi-millions of dollars extra per season um, for your team to bring in better players. So the final will be on August 19th. And again... So this is with the MLS. You can watch these on Apple TV. I'm actually
0: uh, attending FC Cincinnati's first Leagues Cup match on Sunday. They're playing Sporting KC. I'm taking my team up there. We're going to have a good time and enjoy it, and hopefully FC Cincinnati comes away with a win. They have um, proven themselves to play pretty well in these tournaments so far this year, so we'll have to see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how this tournament rolls out. Having a World Cup-style tournament to, to us is really fun. And when you got clubs that – Some you're not very familiar with, with the Mexican League. So I'm interested to see how this goes down, and hopefully the NMLS team ends up winning it. We are closing
0: in on the U.S. Open semifinals. They're about a month away, of course. FC Cincinnati versus Inter-Miami, and then the Houston Dynamo versus Real Salt Lake will happen on August 23rd. The finals to be about a month after that on September 27th. As we have mentioned, the world Women's World Cup has kicked off, so there are no current NWSL games going. The Challenge Cup is continuing with uh, group, group stage through August the 9th. They'll get some winners and start a tournament there. We'll break that down a little bit further, Coach, once we get into the tournament portion of that. Coach, my alarm went off at 2.55 this morning. I pulled myself out of bed and turned on the first game of the Women's World Cup. But before we dive into New Zealand and Norway, you we talked last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, about looking into the um, Women's World Cup and the connection with NWSL, and you did some research on that for us.
1: Yeah, so we mentioned on the women's, um, the American women's roster, there were 22 of 23 players are playing in the NWSL this season. So in the overall World Cup, you've got 32 teams, rosters of 23 players each. So you've got about 736 players overall playing in the World Cup. And for the NWSL, there are 61 players in the World Cup that are currently playing in the NWSL this season. So not a, a ton of players, but that's... A third of those are Americans, and yeah. you get scattered out about players around the around the world here. So that's pretty interesting to see that we have a decent roster of players playing in WSL, NWSL. And hopefully we can pour, pull more, more of these players into uh, our league here in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, you would like to see that number increase, you know, in the next four years before the next World Cup. Coach, they did kick off this morning at 3 a.m. in New Zealand. New Zealand beat Norway one to nothing. It was um, New Zealand's first ever World Cup win, in front of a record New Zealand football crowd for the either the men's or women's about 42,000 in attendance. Hannah Wilkinson scored a goal in the 48th minute to give New Zealand that ultimately became the game winner. New Zealand winning one to nothing. Coach, I know you didn't get out of bed and watch this game. but I it, did not. But it was an absolutely fun first match. I don't think the FIFA and those in charge in the Women's World Cup could have asked for a better kickoff. Coach, I just want to read you some of these stats for this game. As you all know, Norway is – I kind of like I kind of thought that they might be a dark horse. They have some work to do now after losing to New Zealand. But Norway actually – One, uh, the stat was shots. They had 13 compared to New Zealand's 12. Both teams only two shots on target. But here's the fascinating, two fascinating stats to me, Coach. Possession was 49 to 51% in favor of Norway. And both teams had exactly 354 passes. That's
1: not something you see in soccer very often. It's not. It may as well be 50-50 on on the possession-wise, which means both teams were challenging. Both teams were competing. Both teams were creating chances. Both teams were working as a unified team. And they were just going head-to-head. It was apparently a nail-biter of a game. Yeah, it was fun. And I did see the highlight where there were some chances on both teams. Very nice finish. They caught them in a bit of a counterattack. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if New Zealand can carry that. We mentioned before, the host nations always find a way to have good matches in the group stages. So it would be curious to see... But New Zealand and Australia can carry
0: on the momentum. And speaking of Australia, they played afterwards. They beat Ireland one to nothing. This was actually Ireland's first ever World Cup match. It didn't go exactly how they planned. The game was actually, Australia pretty much dominated possession for most of the time. When Ireland had the ball, they tried to go direct immediately, and that led to a lot of turnovers for them, a lot of very short possession uh, possession wise, but they only gave up a PK. You know, they, they gave up a PK in the 52nd minute, and it ended up again, uh Steph Catley for Australia found the back of the net on that PK ended up being one to nothing, was the final. So despite the loss and despite maybe how the game went, I gotta imagine Ireland feels pretty good with this. Yeah, I
1: did watch this one here, and just like you said, Ireland could not hang on to the ball every time they got. A, a turnover there was two to three australians right up on that player with the ball and they did not get many opportunities on australia's goal so ireland clearly needing a lot of work they don't have the, the talent that you're hoping to have on your world cup rosters but australia i kind of had them as my bust type of team and let's be honest here they dominated but only getting a goal on a pk Yeah. Not having Sam Kerr due, due to an injury, um, I'm still a little concerned about Australia. Now, if they don't have Sam Kerr, their main goal scorer, who's going to step up for them?
0: And that is the big news that kind of broke, not too far away from the first from this match. Sam Kerr for Australia, is out with a calf injury. Of course, they were able to get this win, so they have actually already said that she will not play in match two versus Nigeria. But, Coach, very concerning and kind of surprising injury there with the calf. I'm assuming it had to happen in training leading up to this first match. But that could be a massive blow to an Australian team who you already don't love.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm still concerned about Australia. I'll be honest here. They're lucky they got out of this with the win. It very well could have been a, a 0-0 tie. And that really could have been a major problem for Australia going forward here. All right, Coach. Our women's kick off tomorrow
0: night, Friday night, July 21st at 9 p.m. against Vietnam. The U.S. is a heavy, heavy favorite in this match. We have already gone on record, both of us taking the U.S. in this match. The you know, the U.S. should dominate this match in all facets of the game. Unfortunately for Vietnam, they got put in a really tough group, and I think Vietnam's going to have a hard time managing any points in this group. But the U.S. kickoff tomorrow night, I know I'm excited. Coach, what is one prediction you have for tomorrow night's game? Do you see Sophia Smith getting a hat trick? Do you see, you know, Rose Lavelle coming on and being 100%? You know, what is your – if you if I had to force you to make a bold prediction for tomorrow night's game, what would you take?
1: Yeah, I'm going to say that the U.S. women score 10 goals. Okay. That's my bold prediction here. That's clearly part of the over – Uh, I did watch a little bit on the Vietnam roster, and defensively, they stay extremely compact on certain areas of the field. So if the American women can find quick switches, the other side of the field will be wide open for attacks on goal. So I believe that the women will find plenty of opportunities to score, especially if they continue to play that type of defensive strategy. You've got height, you've got speed on the American side. and I don't think the Vietnamese can compete with that. So I'm going to go U.S. women will score 10 goals to zero.
0: You know, and you bring up goal differential there. And I think that is this group in particular, but other groups as well, that unfortunately for teams like Vietnam, that ends up hurting them because teams are just going to pound. them, especially with the United States playing them first, you know, the U.S. doesn't know what's going to happen in the other three matches or I guess two more matches in group stage, so they know they're going to have to get goals. They have to assume that Portugal and the Netherlands are going to put it to Vietnam as well. So, you know, unfortunately, in a tournament like this, where seeding matters, goal differential is a huge factor, and I think that's a great point that you bring up there.
1: I would say this. If the score is 4 to five zero at halftime, I'm subbing off all my forwards. I don't need injuries. Yeah. I don't need any ankle rolls or yellow cards, red cards, for, for whatever whatever reason. And it's throwing some, some players to give them an opportunity here. So that's the only issue that say they wouldn't get the 10 goals is if they substitute that early. But I'm also thinking about health down the road here. Yeah.
0: My bold prediction, I'm going to go with my girl Alex Morgan. I think Alex has a hat trick in this game. Give her three goals in this. I tend to agree with you. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game for the U.S. But again, that match is tomorrow night, July 21st at 9 p.m. Most of these matches, if not all of them, are occurring on Fox or a Fox station, I believe. So be sure you are tuning in to that. If you have enjoyed this episode, and if you are enjoying what we're bringing to you each week with our podcast, please make sure you go into your podcast platform and give us a five-star rating. Again, it helps us out tremendously. We appreciate you listening in. This has been the World Soccer Roundup for July 21st, brought to you by, and we are the Ace Football Academy.